Hello everyone, this is another episode of the Shanka Ponsole podcast and today we will talk about an aspect of my childhood that I'm very proud of and that is I was actually a private pilot at the age of 16. My elementary school teacher asked me how come you have not really continued down that path of becoming a pilot? And I think it's because she doesn't know how far I actually went. And yeah, so Andrea, you know that part of my story, don't you? I do, I do. I find it fascinating that you actually got your license to fly before you got your license to drive. Is that true? Yes, that is true. Tell us so, a little bit about it. Yeah. So there is essentially the backstory goes I was always kind of attracted by airplanes and by the United States and by aviation, which led me to go to an air show that took place in Berlin. And I want, went there with friends. And I approached one of the airplanes that was used during World War II to conduct the Berlin airlift when Berlin was cut off from the world and the citizens were in need of supplies and groceries and all of that. So I approached the airplane, beautiful plane, and underneath the plane sat a old gentleman, his name was Jerry Munn, and he had flown during the World War, during the Second World War. He had flown that airplane during the airlift, the Berlin airlift, and I told him about my hopes and dreams about US citizenship and about being able to fly. And he said, well, this man was really very very important in my life story because he said okay first of all i want you to figure out if you really want to become a pilot as early as possible because you're gonna sit a lot in a plane if you become a pilot and second of all i want you to come and meet me again in frankfurt with your mother so that we can talk about this and I said, great, I want that. So the air show is over. I go home and I tell my mother, mom, I met this old gentleman and he wants to meet you in Frankfurt. He's a US veteran and um, it's all about flying and he wants to talk to me about becoming a pilot. And to my surprise, Blanche agreed to that because you have to understand kind of the situation, you know, this stranger wants me to come to Frankfurt. My mom did not really like the idea of war. So knowing that she was involved in the Second World War but was probably nothing she found impressive. But for whatever reason, she agreed to it. And it must have- Do you remember at all what her expression was like or her response did you feel like it was genuine like this would all really happen or maybe she was just 
appeasing you? No, I think she knew by then that, you know, if I was serious about something, I was going to do it. And I think she just really wanted to always support me in my dreams. Even, even if those dreams were not in alignment with her values. So she was always good at that. But I'm pretty sure it was a huge stretch. <laughs> and back, uh, back then I, I didn't see that. But now, you know, as I have grown older, I just can, cannot imagine how much of, a, an, of an effort that was for her. So um, we go to Frankfurt uh, a few months later. We drive there. Um, How far was the drive? Yeah, I, I want to say between two and three hours from Luxembourg. And I um, remember it was in a pretty upscale hotel. He was there for his for some type of convention, and you know we could certainly not afford the hotel, so we agreed with him on lunch after his meeting. So that happened and I, I essentially he won my mom's trust and he made all of us understand that two things needed to happen. Number one, I needed to get my pilot's license as early as possible in my life so that I could find out if it was something that I would consider doing professionally for the rest of my life. And number two is he invited me to go and visit him and his wife in Florida where he was living. So all of that happened. Uh, I must have been 14 or 15 when this takes place uh, because I remember you can have your private pilot's license at the age of 16. So um, here... the driver's license. Yeah, 18. You got to be 18. Oh, you need to be 18. Yeah, you can fly earlier than you can drive, and I think it's but because. How common is that? Well, it's if I don't know. I mean, it is just because when a small country uh, adopts law legislation, what they do is they look at what other countries do, and then they modify it. It's a huge time saver, and I have no doubt that Luxembourg went and looked at the American legislation and it's probably eight, 16 years, you know, instead of 18. So I go and uh, go to my grandfather and my mother and I'm like, I want to do this. And they say, okay, there's a, there's a sum of money that was meant for you when you turn 18 so that you can go and study and you know do whatever you need to do and you can have access to that money earlier and um, then you know you're gonna use it for that purpose and um, that's how I financed it so me starting to study for these complicated tests at the age of 16 passing the tests. I have never like wanted something more than passing those tests and it was complicated stuff, aerodynamics, meteorology, uh, international rules of flight and um, I you know had to fly practical lessons and 
do all, meet all of the requirements to get my, my hands on the private pilot license. Did you know any other peers who were around your age who were doing that? Um, only the only the people in my cohort there, which one of them is a professional airline pilot to this day, oh, wow. flying for Cargo Lux, which is one of the world's biggest uh, freight airlines, and it's ob obviously like the name alludes to a Luxembourg airline. Mm -hmm. And then the other person you actually know, you've met him, <laughs> JL, yeah, oh, a common okay. a common acquaintance of us, JL, yeah. uh, was also with me at boarding school, and he did he was there too, interestingly enough. <laughs> so. Um, let's see. Okay, now I'm flying throughout uh, Luxembourg and its neighboring countries mm -hmm. on a pretty regular basis, but it is super expensive. Like one hour of flying would cost about 300 euros consistently. Oh, wow. So even though I had access to that money that I was given, which I believe was roughly two thousand mm -hmm. um, dollars but that that was burned fast mm -hmm. right and i because i had to be like cost conscious i could never really fly very far and i was always in a radius of up to a maximum of two hours per mm -hmm. month i would fly okay so which would amount to roughly five six hundred dollars per month and that's that was a lot of money now, oh yeah, and back in the day that would have been yeah. yeah, and the only way I could afford that was that if you remember, I, I, gave, I tutored a lot. Oh. So that's how I had the money, right? <laughs> because the, the $2,000 that I was given, that was basically spent on acquiring the license. Right. But then to keep it up to date... So you said your habit! Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, with, your, with your tutoring, wow! Yeah, yeah. Okay, super ambitious, yeah. entrepreneurial, from the beginning, and then you took your money and you and you did what not a whole lot of people your age were doing. What was everyone else spending their money on at that time? Did they have any money to spend? Uh, well, my peers at boarding school didn't have that much money, but the money they did have, they spent on on beer. Wow! Yeah. Uh, Did you they, ever do that? No, I, to this day I have yet to drink my entire glass of beer. I don't yeah. like beer. Um, so anyway, they, you know, a, as, you, as you remember, my boarding school was located in a, in a former monastery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, monks, and that <laughs> they like to drink beer, you know. Oh, a lot of breweries actually happen to be also monasteries at the same same time if you remember that so anyway um let's see so, so you started blowing a lot of money while yeah i would uh, no going yeah towards a good place yeah but it just got really costly you were doing longer tutoring and then what happened yeah well then i actually went to florida to meet jerry in bradenton oh. florida Bradenton is where the headquarters of Tropicana is located, by the way. So if you go there, it always smells like fresh orange juice. And a gallon of orange juice is super, super cheap. I think they have a, a special agreement to have like subsidized orange juice there. Mm -hmm. And um, 
yeah so anyhow i spend a lot of time with jerry listening to his war stories but i also spend a lot of time with his wife marge who told me her perspective of uh, being married to an aviator and she and she told me you know he he was he was breathing eating living mm -hmm. airplanes and that was not fun for me because he was always away mm -hmm. and back you know i didn't see that in my future being always away from the people i care about so that was really a huge detractor uh, to me and also i had flown enough as a private pilot to know flying is rather boring you know uh, because once you're up there you stay you keep the course and that's essentially it now it surely didn't help that i was always um, limited to a, a two-hour radius right but um, the takeoffs and the landings are interesting and then once you're up there it's kind of monotonous um, so that led me to decide that flying was not going to be a professional career of mine um, and I, it, it, there was a moment in the, in the 90s where gas prices just spiked in tremendously and one hour of flight would cost almost 500 euros. And that was the moment where I said, okay, you got to stop this. Yeah. Do I miss it? Yes, I miss flying in, in small planes as a hobby. But yeah, I mean, that was... A, a season in my life as they say and uh, I certainly do not regret it I learned so much about aerodynamics international flight law uh, meteorology there was a little bit of electronics in there because we learned to also understand the instruments for navigation and all of that um, and I had some great memories where I took people to fly with me you know friends acquaintances even instructors from police academy they would fly with me you know my mom's friends and all of that is super impressive i remember when i was practicing touch and goes you know which basically means uh, landing and taking off non-stop in an endless loop uh, my mom spent hours and hours with me touching and going you know and when you learn that you know, you, you never have smooth landings at the beginning. They're always like bumpy. So the, instead of making the plane smoothly touch down, sometimes you, you like almost jump down, you know. And, you know, my mom spent hours with me in the plane assisting me in that. So that was, was fun, you know. But um, that was essentially the story. And I kind of want to go back to to this idea of, um, of uh, also being in Florida with Jerry because that was pretty awesome he took me and uh, flew with me throughout the nation really and because he, he was still a pilot in his uh, advanced age and we discovered the United States together and he he really like gave me this sense of uh, an American citizen will take you and help you uh, as a European to fulfill your dream, you know, and that was awesome. It was really awesome.
Cool. Well, I think that you still have an appreciation for flying that always shows up in everything that we do, like drones, for example. And I know that's very differential. Don't come for me, all of y'all out there. Drones are different than planes. <laughs> yeah, but you still get to, I mean, it's the sky, right? So you get to, there, and there's some of the rules that are the same in terms of aerodynamics. And there's even places where you can't, like, no fly go zone or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it will, like, lock, right, where you can't even fly your equipment if it's within a certain radius of airports and all of these things there there's some overlap just appreciating aircrafts and being in the sky and we did for our birthday a, a couple of years ago now we did uh maybe it was last year actually when we did paramotoring and mm -hmm. it's really nice to be suspended in the air and i think that there is there's a lot of patience you learn, right, from flying. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of attention to detail, a lot um, of appreciation for checklists and rules yeah. and safety. You know, to this day, because one rule in flying is before you turn left, you turn your head left. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many instruments you have to guarantee your safety, you turn your head left because you never know if there's a bird or a balloon or something or a plane, or a plane <laughs> that your instrument doesn't catch, right? And that has stuck with me. It has really impacted my driving because I don't know if you notice it, but to this day, even though we have these indicators in the mirror <laughs> that show whether a car is next to you in your... Oh, you Blind go spot? hard on me when I, if I don't look over my left shoulder all the way, you will definitely point yeah. it out. So yes, I know yeah. that's ingrained in you. <laughs> so I want to kind of wrap this off, wrap this up. I want to share a story that is um, interesting. Go for it. Yeah. So I was always a very law-abiding person and I still am, right? But there was this time when I was uh, studying, no, I had my pilot's license and we went out with a couple of friends and we were at this party and then the, uh, one of the friends says, hey Shankar, do you want to drive this car? And I said, no, no, I shouldn't. I didn't have a driver's license yet. And long story short is he got me to a point where I said, okay, I guess I'll drive it down this path here. So I drove. And of course, what happens to people who should always behave and they don't, they get caught mm -hmm. right away. So we got stopped by a policeman. Yeah. We got stopped by a policeman and his name was Jerry too, interestingly enough. Um, and he, you know, I, I lowered the window and he asks me, um, all right, so can I see your driver's license? And I say, well, I don't have a, I was so, I mean, I was just so shocked and nervous but again. I yeah. So I tell him, well, um, I don't have a license to drive, but in my 
in my desperation, I said, I have a license to fly. And yeah, yeah he took it wrong because he thought flying in as driving fast, you know, oh. because it didn't make sense to him that <laughs> that uh, a 17 year old. Yeah, yeah. So he, so he's basically, basically his reaction was, okay, so you're in timeout now. Get out of the car and follow me to the office. So this went, this went to court, what? but because I was underage, I had to do a few hours of community service. I actually had to help clean at a hospital, right? You have never revealed this before. See? See? Podcast. Yeah. Learn. Yeah. So I was assigned to Vidalia, was the head nurse. Vidalia told me clean this and clean that, and um, she was very happy with me because she said nobody ever ever comes to these community service things. People just don't show up, and I did. I treated it as a job, and it was a great experience. So um, now here's the here's the funny part. When you then apply for police academy, um, they conduct an investigation whether you are, you know, you're a good candidate. And of course, that showed up, right? So, but they understood everything. You know, they understood. Okay, this was like a, a young boy's incident. You know, we'll we'll forgive him that. But here's the kicker, <laughs> in my, you know, during police academy, you have practical internships. Guess with whom I went on patrol in my internship. No way. Yeah, with Jerry. Oh, that is so, hilarious. So I walk into his office and he looks at me and he says, I know you from somewhere. No. You, I knew exactly where I knew him from, <laughs> but he didn't. So I, I just told him, yeah, we might have met a few years ago, and you know, and, and uh, he loved it. He was like, oh my goodness, this is so awesome and funny, um, how life plays these tricks on you, right? <laughs> but that is that's kind of the I love that. yeah, that's the end so story. You Full circle, moment full circle, yeah. Where you had this encounter with the same officer that you would that, that would be yeah your superior. Yeah, police academy. Mm -hmm. That is great. Yep. So <laughs> patterns of circles, you know, in life, mm -hmm. it's it's something that is really true. Like th there's always circles. There's always things that come back, yeah. and. Um, yeah, this camera is really playing tricks on us here. I think you're right. We need to keep the, the, the face tracking on. But yeah, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Um, and I shared a segment of my life that was really very defining for everything that follows because it gave me so much confidence to know that I could be a pilot, that I could, before I had even graduated high school, I was fucking flying airplanes, you know, and that was awesome because it was not easy to achieve it, but it was so fulfilling. And to this day, you know, to this day, I, it's a, something I can brag about and, um, you know, which was really an awesome part of my history.
So if you have liked this podcast, please consider giving it, uh, giving it a good review. Uh, you know how that helps uh, with other people getting access to it. And uh, I am uh, very thirsty now. <laughs> All yeah. right. All right. We will see you later. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.